0: Us, um, thanks to all who have been. We st- still will hear back from more people. The reason why we <laughs> report back is um, for several reasons. One, for the people sharing um, blessings um, are multiplied when we share them with other people. Right? It's like you know we t- talk about love. Uh, Hammerstein had this quote that says that a bell's not a bell until you ring it. A song's not a song until you sing it. Love in your heart isn't meant there to stay because love's not love until you give it away. The same way blessings kept to ourselves um, are okay and good, but they become complete and reach their fulfillment as we share them with other people. And so we do that for the people uh, who went in order to process through that and to solidify the work that's doing and to hold, have people hold us accountable by sharing. But at the same time, we want to and need to connect back with you guys who've been praying. This is the fruit of your prayers. These are the answers to the things that you guys have been praying for. Like all these lives being being changed and, and, and hearts being opened up and and your people, our people being transformed, this is what you guys are praying towards. And we need you to see that. We need you to see that um, it's not just those who went, but those who sent who will have stories and will have testimonies and will have reward in heaven. Yeah. But then the other reason, just like Chris shared, is sometimes you can't, and it's not, it's not enough to just hear it. And sometimes you just got to go and see it. And I hope and, and I pray that God has been like really just wrestling with some of our hearts to say that um, I'm going to make a commitment to go. A lot of times we say, "You know what? I'll I'll see next year if I can go, I'll go." But what if we we made a commitment, like uh, I think one of our brothers did last year, to say, "I'm going to go, and I'm going to revolve everything around that that trip." Not like if there's nothing else comes up, I'll go. But let's go, and then other things can revolve itself around around this. I know some of us can't. I mean, if you have a if you're having a, a child at that point, it's difficult to do that. If Um, You're getting married. If you're getting married, we could do a wedding service down there. We've done that before. Um, There's not many other things that um, could potentially keep us from going, right, should potentially keep us from going. So if that's God's call and you just feel like he's wrestling with it, but you feel like, "Ah, I don't know if I can, let's just pray. Pray about that. Lay that down at the feet of Jesus. And if he calls you to go, then just take that step and trust that our families and and all of these things will will fall into place because there's nothing like seeing and experiencing it. Christian life, Jesus, the first miracle he did, John 2, the wedding at Cana, he, didn't, he, he, he turned water into wines. So we taste this miracle for people to say, wow, this is something to be experienced, not just something to be learned about or read about or knowledge, but you experience him. You experience him, and there are a lot of things that just can't be argued or explained. You have to see it. You have to experience it. You have to witness it for yourself, and the work of God that he's doing in the mission field is something that I really would love for all of us to experience, not just through testimony, video, and song. and. But, but, but to see it for ourselves. In a couple of weeks, like I shared, we're um, going to be having a, a congregational revival. And um, again, in the insert of, uh, of the bulletin, there's a letter that I wrote just talking about the place I've gone. And I, I like to kind of uh, take uh, different strands and then to consolidate and then to kind of create a system and structure out of it. And so as I think about the, the things that God's allowed me to, uh, to see and the places that I've gone this summer, Um, Two things stand out to me, two just overarching themes throughout this summer, which was uh, full, uh, just eventful. And one of the things that I saw was that the church in America is in crisis. And I I see this like, you you see this too, you can see this too. As we read the news, as we read about the decisions that, that, that some higher courts are making, as we read about the decisions that some denominations are making, the church in America is in crisis. When instead of the church taking its light and shining into the darkness and infiltrating the culture, when our culture begins to infiltrate the church and people inside the church don't look much different from people outside the church, that's not those outside the church's issue. That's our issue. Like we need an awakening. We need a revival. We need to repent. We need to come back to the Lord. We as children of light need to rise up. We're no longer dead. We're alive. We're called to live differently. We're called to live in the newness of life that Jesus has given to us. My mentor, Pastor IJ, at this past retreat we were at this week, uh, during the, the final uh, communion time, he said, we're living in times like Sodom and Gomorrah. And in an earlier time, some 15, 20 years ago, Billy Graham's wife said, just kind of tongue-in-cheek, she said, if God doesn't destroy America for our immorality, then he owes Sodom and Gomorrah an apology, because we're far worse than that. And I feel in, in, in my heart this sense of urgency that I hope that you're feeling also as you hear me. Right? That we need to sound an alarm. We, I always say that, and I, it's not original, but the church is always one generation away from extinction. And we're seeing that closer and closer and closer to us here in, in our day. The gap between, between my generation when I'm living and my daughter's generation. Right? There's a small bridge and that bridge is getting smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. This is is our lives. This is our lifetime. This is our generation. This is our responsibility. Who's going to bridge the gap between uh, Rehan, Ella, us, and and them, and that generation, between Emmeline, Evelyn, us, and and, and them? That's on us. And the only thing that's going to change us is not by being more cool or more hip or more trendy or having better methods. It's going back to the basics of preaching the gospel and praying as if it depended all on God, which it does. That's the only thing that's going to bring us back and bring renewal and bring revival and not see the church in America look like the church in Turkey, the church of the Bible in Turkey now. Edifices that are broken down, nobody in them. The church in Europe, big, great cathedrals filled with 15 people, 20 people, 30 people in the greatest cathedrals in Europe. I see that sense of alarm and that sense of of moral and spiritual decay and I need to feel the weight of that. But on the other hand, I also see that God is raising up a generation who is taking their place with selfless faith. I see that in the place where I go. I I, I can't I mean, I talked with, with one person who said, you know, my heart is for, for North Korea, and I'm gonna go, and I know that my kids may not live a long life because we're living out there, we're going out there, but God's called us to do it, and we're gonna go. Talked to this one girl last uh, this past week at the retreat, and she, she sent me a message and said, "Here's some of the things that God's doing in me." And she said, "I uh, have decided that I've, I'm gonna, because of Christ, because of His grace in me, and I'd always wrestled: Can I suffer for the faith? Can I have other people suffer because of me, because of my faith?" And she said, "I realize that it's getting easier and easier for me to lay my life down for the sake of the gospel." I talked to another girl, sitting with her at lunch. She said, can can I talk to you? Uh, And so I said, all right. So we're sitting, and she's saying, I believe God's called me to be a martyr overseas. She said, it used to scare the heck out of me. It still scares me, but God's call is on my life, and I'm going to go. And God is raising up a people, a selfless faith to go forth into the nations. Because we need people like that. We need to go back to biblical spirituality. We we taught a class, Chris taught a class called Radical. It was about David Platt talking about the radical call of Christianity. But when you think about it, Jesus' call was not radical. He was saying this, if, if he were to rewrite Platt's book, he would call it normal. This is normal Christianity. This is what Jesus said. If anyone wants to follow me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. And it's not radical. It's not for like the elite Christians. This is us. This is the normal, regular model of Christianity. It's not the souped up version, not the EX, LXS. It's just a regular version. Regular version Christian is a life that's radically surrendered to the, to the, to the gospel of Christ. If anyone wants, to, lo- if anyone wants to, 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 to find life, he must deny himself. He must die. to Find it at the cross. This is what it means to truly live. This is the essence of Christianity. The symbol of Christianity is a cross to come and die. That's what life is. It's to die in order that we might really live. And this is a call that Jesus is issuing, and he's blaring that. Out. And I hear this loud and clear in my heart, this sense of there's, uh, this is what's going on in our culture. This is what's going on in our world. And at the same time, there's a call. We need a, a revival. And we need an awakening. And I believe that even though we stand as a righteous minority, that God is going to do it. Right? He's always done it with a minority group of people. People who said, I don't, need to, I don't need to be loved. I don't need to be popular. I don't need to be praised. I don't need to be any of these things. As long as I follow the call of God. And I know that within our congregation that God is doing that. He's raising up a people of this kind of a faith. And it inspires me. And it causes me to want to fight. So in a couple of weeks, we're having this revival. You know, some of us gather together. There's a few of us from our church that gather with other uh, church leaders throughout this state, and we're praying for revival, praying for revival amongst the next generation Asian-Americans in our state. And it's only going to happen when we take seriously the call of God. Just go to the mat and fight for the glory of God in human hearts on the, on, using the weapons of, of prayer. And as we prepare for revival in two weeks, I want to lead us into uh, the Word of God that will help us to prepare in order that what God is doing throughout the world will not be missed out on us. That we wouldn't see God pass us by, but that we'd really uh, capture everything that God has for us. I want to read from Acts uh, Acts chapter 3 i going to read uh, from verses 11 through 20, but I just want to focus on, on verse 19 for, uh, for most of our time. Acts chapter 3 is a revival period. In the midst of uh, persecution, in the midst of hardship, in the midst of much opposition, the church is growing like crazy. They're seeing miracles, seeing people being saved as they're faithful to the call of God. The great work of God is happening. Chapter 3 begins with this blind beggar, he was blind since childhood. And he's begging for money. Peter and John look at him. They say, I don't have silver gold, but I have, I give to you in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, get up and walk. And he walks and he leaps. He becomes a testimony, all these people, but there's some who are upset. So chapter three, verse 11, while the beggar held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, men of Israel, why does this surprise you? Why, you stared at us as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has been given, uh, that has given this complete healing to him, as you can all see. Now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders, but this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Christ would suffer. This is verse 19, repent then and turn to God. So that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Christ who's been appointed for you, even Jesus. This is God's word. So he's talking about in verse 19, right? This is, I just want to kind of lift this one verse out and hold it up. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. And then verse 20 talks about the final, the culminating blessing of our repentance is that he will send the Christ, right? The second coming of Christ will restore everything and, and make it all right. Three thoughts about, about this. The first thing is that revival, right? Repentance always uh, precedes revival. I don't know if that's what it says in there, but repentance always uh, precedes revival. Repent then and turn to God so that, dot, 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 all these things will happen, right? Repentance is always the first step in revival. I don't know if revival is something that you long for, that you want to see. I don't know if, if we have an understanding of what revival looks like. I'll paint the picture in, in a little bit later. But revival presupposes death. You can't revive something that's not dead. right? So you have something that's dead, and that you, and then you raise it to life. What needs to be revived? In a spiritual sense, we are spiritually, uh, there's spiritual death all around us. In the Garden of Eden, the Bible tells us that death entered when sin took the place of God. Remember Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve? And God says, this is the way to do it. This is the way to live. Live in obedience to me. In Genesis 3, temptation comes and sin says, this is what you need to do, follow me. Did God really say this? He says, don't follow God, follow sin. So death entered when sin replaced God. So in your life, who is your master? Is it God or is it sin? Sin or God? Death entered when sin entered the world and replaced God. Revival is basically saying, repentance is saying, we need to turn from death and turn to God. Repent then and turn to God. Literally, this word repent, it means to change your mind. To change your mind about God and to change your mind about sin. Let me give you a a simple understanding, right, change your mind, says repent then, change your mind and turn to God. This is actually one step here. It's the same thing that's happening. Uh, turn away from sin, tw- turn towards God. Will you, if, after church today, um, after Bible study classes, we're all going to eat and uh, we say, hey, where are we gonna eat? And one of our guys says, let's go to Chipotle. And I don't like Chipotle very much. And so as I'm um, thinking about that, I say, you know what? I don't wanna go to Chipotle. I'm not gonna go to Chipotle. I'm gonna go home. Because on the road, right, If I'm driving on the road, I turn left to go to Chipotle, I turn right to go home. Right? say, I'm not going to Chipotle, I'm going to go home. So as I'm going home, I change my mind, and I say, you know what, I'm going to go to Chipotle. And I turn around, and I go to Chipotle. That's simple, we know that, right? This is a picture of repentance then. Now look, in Matthew 21, Jesus tells a story. And it's kind of a weird, it's, it's not actually that weird, but the point can get lost on it. So Jesus tells a story about this father. He owns a lot of land and he has two sons and he says to his sons hey, go work in the field. Go boys work in the field. Okay. Go work in the field. The older son, the first son, says no, I'm not gonna go work in the field. The, uh, the second son says yes dad, I'll go work in your field, okay, two sons. No, I'm not gonna go. Yes I'm gonna go. The one who says no ends up working in the field. The one who says yes. I will work in the field, ends up not working in the field. And Jesus asks them, says, hey, hey, which one was the one who honored the Father? Which one was it? The one who worked in the field or didn't work in the field? The one who said they will or the one who said he wouldn't? Which one? First one or second one? This is the first one. Why? I knew it. He said, I knew it. Yeah, the first one. Why the first one? What was so great about what the first one did? It says he changed his mind. He repented, said, I'm not going to do it. This is my attitude towards you, Father. I'm not going to do it. I'm living in defiance to you. I'm not going to work. I'm not going to listen to you. Then he changed his mind towards his father, and he turned around, and he went, and he did what the father said to do. When Jesus explains this at the end of that parable, he says, this is repentance. It is to change your mind about sin. And it's to turn away from that sin and to go to God. And any time you want revival, we need to change our mind about God and sin. This is what, I mean, it's this, it's this idea where you're living for the world, maybe. Okay, we're living for the, what is, what is the direction in which you're heading? I don't care what you say you are. I say, I'm a Christian. I, I follow Jesus. Whatever it is. Okay, take all that stuff away. If we look at your life, what direction is your life walking? Are you walking towards Jesus on a moment-by-moment basis, or are you walking towards the world? That's a true indication of where you're going right now, right? That's where your heart is turned. As we look at your life, is your direction walking to Jesus or is it walking to the world? Okay, repentance is saying where the world used to be before me and Jesus say back before, behind me, I turn around. I have decided to follow Jesus. This is repentance. The cross before me, the world behind me, it's changing our mind about God and saying, I'm going to walk towards you, God. That's the utter and absolute necessity of, of revival, right? We want to see revival, then the people of God have got to turn away from our sin and have got to turn to Jesus. It's always the case. It's always been that way throughout Scripture. Second Chronicles seven fourteen. 14, just uh, the, the seminal passage about revival. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven. I'll hear their prayer and I will heal their land. Revival always follows repentance. I know we want revival. We want to see young and old return to Jesus. We want to see addictions being broken in our lives. We want to see broken lives being healed. But are we willing to repent? See, in churches throughout the world, as I hear and as I see and as I kind of watch blogs and stuff like that, there's a lot of rejoicing, but there's not a lot of repenting. And there's not going to be revival unless there's repentance. Remember Jacob, when he wrestles with God, it says, How dreadful is this place. I have seen that this is none other than the house of God. Before there's dancing, there's got to be a place of dread. Before there's delight, there's got to be a sense of dread in the presence of God. See, we have become so uh, comfortable with this idea of God. Our denomination, did you know our PCUSA, which we're fighting against, has created a God in their own image. You know, this song we sing, in Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my hope, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground. And there's that, that, that part that says, um, and on that cross as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. They took that song out of their hymnal, the Presbyterian hymnal, because they said, we don't want to talk about a God of wrath. That sends a wrong message. Like, what in the world are you thinking? How do you understand the grace of God without the wrath of God? How do you understand the, the, the atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ if there is no wrath of God? We talk about a God of love. They say, how do you, how do you talk about a God of love if there's nothing, if there's no, 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 no standards in which he's forgiven us of? You see, here's what we do is we make God into our own image, a God that we're comfortable with. And you know what happens when you get comfortable with somebody? Hey, first time you meet somebody, just kind of like, ah, uh, you know, hey, David Millen, what's up? And you just kind of keep your distance. But once you get close with them, you should get comfortable with them. And you start, like, hugging each other. You start passing gas around each other. You start touching each other on the head. You start doing all kinds of crazy stuff like that because you've become comfortable. And I think a lot of times we long for revival with a God that we're comfortable with. And because of that... We're okay being in his presence and just having a little bit of sin and just, oops, my bad, the things that used to shock us in our relationship with God no longer shock us. And we're longing for this kind of revival, but we're not going to see it because repentance always precedes a revival. I um, have been hearing a lot about the place I grew up, um, and I'd, I'd heard about this, like just countless testimonies and stories of um, this phrase, this great revival that took place in, in Washington, D.C., Korean Americans, second generation Korean Americans in the, uh, the mid 1980s. And the more, you know, this summer I've been hearing a lot about it also. I think just, I, I, yeah, I think um, for whatever reason, just hearing a lot about it, even this morning I was, I was talking with one of my mentors who was part of this. Uh, when this great revival swept through uh, the D.C. area, in 1987, they, they pinpointed back to this one service in 1987, but 1987, I was 11 years old. Youth group, in, um, youth group doesn't start until 7th grade, so 12, 13 years old in Virginia. And so when this started, I was coming through, and I didn't understand it, but I saw kind of the tail end of all of this stuff. I remember going to my youth meetings. Back in those days, there was no such thing as English ministries. Right? Korean churches, all they had was a youth, because people didn't speak English. They had youth groups, and they had like 1.5 first generation, some of them starting to have second generation uh, youth pastors who could speak English pretty well. But there were no such thing as English ministry like college enough pastors. There just weren't enough people to to have a congregation. And so I remember just... I, I would go to church with my brother, and they would say we 're going to revival in maryland we 're going to revival in virginia we 're going to this revival' We're going to that revival and we'd just get into the church band and we 'd go to different revivals and would be in these places and worship and, and just like the fire of God would fall in that place, and, and people would just be weeping during times of worship and they 'd have altar calls and invitations all these things. I just remember as as a young seventh, eighth ninth grade student just going to just following my brother around and seeing these things. I never really got got caught up in all this stuff. But while I was at JGen, one of the pastors um, who was there was sharing, and then this morning I was talking with, uh, with one of my, my, my mentors who was there and just asking, what, it, what was this all about? They said that it was a Friday, Saturday, Sunday revival. Maybe it started on Thursday. It was either three or four nights at a church called Fourth Presbyterian Church. And that time, again, there were no, um, second, no English ministries, no English ministry pastors, just a bunch of youth groups. And they said that that revival had been preceded by weeks of praying. As one lady who's still at the University of Illinois, where Pastor Min is, um, they just call her Deacon Deacon Kim, Kim Jim San. Her and a bunch of other ladies just got together and they prayed. For 40 days, they prayed and they fasted for this revival at Fourth Presbyterian Church. And they're just fasting and praying and saying, "God, send revival." Lord, send revival. This area is so important for the gospel. Send forth a revival and just praying and just asking for the fire of God to fall in that place. They get there and um, it started at 7 o'clock and they say by 5 p.m. There are hundreds of youth group students just waiting to get in. Can you imagine that? Just that in itself. Two hours before, people just waiting to get in the doors of the church because they just want to worship. They just want to be part of what God is doing in that place. Two hours before, they're just waiting to get in. They said the band went downstairs about five o'clock, and they're just praying. God, revive this land. and They're repenting. They're surrendering their sins before the Lord. They're calling out to God. Two hours, they're praying before this revival meeting. And they said when they looked up, there were hundreds of students all around, just weeping and repenting, crying out for revival. that night, just anointing of Pastor. Pastor was on this praise team, Alpha Omega, just college students. They would just go throughout the states leading praise songs. He said, we sang God is so good. God is so good. They didn't have any of this stuff. Just God is so good. He's so good to me. And bam, just, people just started weeping. Started surrendering their sins before the Lord God. People coming to the altar. It Just lives being transformed. People, so many of my leaders are, are in ministry because of that revival. They said it went on for years. Like second wave came through in, in the '90s. So for years, this went on. Thousands of students, right? A thousand, over a thousand students were there that weekend, seeking God's face. This one church that some of you guys know is now called Open Door Presbyterian Church. Used to be called Korean Orthodox Presbyterian Church. Their youth group tripled, right? Immediately, just just tripled in size. Saturday nights, they would get together, and until 2 in the morning, these youth group students would pray. Until 2 o'clock in the morning, just, God, send revival, send revival. And to this day, Open Door is still the most solid church in that area, in the northern Virginia area. Flagship church in the East Coast. Don't you long for revival like that? Don't you want something like that, where your lost friends are coming to church? Where we're laying down our sins and laying down our rebellion. We're saying, Jesus, I don't need all of these other things. It's you that I want. I want you. I long for you. That's all I need. That's all I'm looking for. Jesus, I just want more of you. We're just experiencing just soaking in the grace of God, the mercy of God, the transforming power of God. It just, just rocks us and wrecks us and just ruins us so that we're completely changed. And that out of that, men and women rising up, Saying, I'm going to go. I'm going to go to the nations. I'm going to be a pastor. I'm going to serve the Lord. I'll be a children's ministry pastor. I'm going to go. I'm going to do whatever it takes. I'm just going forth into the nation. Why can't it happen? The promises of God are true. He's never failed us, and He won't start now. We believe on the promise of God. Because God longs for revival. We're fighting against Him wrestling along with the heart of God that he would pour forth revival. Let's, let's, let's pray. Let's just pray. Let's spend a moment praying. I'm going to invite our praise team to come up. what would it look like if we sought god's heart for revival and what if we longed for it as much as we long for food we long for it as much as we long for a relationship we long for it as much as we long for some of these other lesser loves that won't satisfy our generation of believers is responsible for our generation of souls I don't want to get to the end of it all and and our church and our people and us getting to God and, and, and saying, God, I wasted my life. I wasted my life on the things that this world says you need to have. The finest clothes, the biggest bank account, all of these things. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? What good is it for a generation to have everything that the world wants and to lose our collective soul? I don't want to live like this y'all i don't want to live like that i don't want us there's so much more more joy more healing more freedom more fruit more evangelistic fervor and transformation of life that can happen through us and wherever i go people say pastor Dale, i've heard about your church i heard the great things that you guys are doing and and i believe that god is raising us up not it's nothing that we're doing it's nothing about us but god is just His grace is over us because I think He wants to use us to make a difference in this world in this country I feel it in my bones and I just just get this sense that God is is propping us up for something beyond this area something beyond what we know and He's calling us to fight for it and to go to the mat for it Say, live for the harvest we're going to live God's giving us dreams for far beyond our little town of Winter Garden. But it begins with us being renewed and us being revived. I think God wants to do that, guys. As we're seated, I'm just going to invite our praise team to lead us in singing, Give Us Clean Hands just repent through this song say God I lay down my idols I lay down my dreams I lay down the sins I have laid down the direction of my life I want to live for you I want to see this revival God let us be a generation that seeks your face oh God of Jacob Lord don't pass us by don't pass us by if we don't embrace the call of God in our lives then the mantle is going to go to somewhere else Let's embrace it, church. Let's embrace it. So if you need to just spend some time in repenting, confessing your sins before the Lord, saying, God, I turn away from the world and I turn to you. Those of you who are starting school tomorrow, this is you. Let's say, God, I want to follow you. I want to follow you. Those who started school, maybe you've you've made mistakes already. It's, It's okay. It's not too late to turn. Those of us who are older, let's feel the burden of the generation. Revival is our inheritance in Jesus Christ. And let's feel that, let's sense that, let's embrace that. God, I want to go. God, I want to be your man. I want to be your woman. Entertainment is a devil's substitute for the joy of the Lord. And the more, the less we have God's joy in us, the more we need to be entertained by things. Have we been entertained? Have we been seeking a substitute for joy in the things of this life? Let's confess, let's repent, let's turn away from those things. Say, God, I need to go with you. I want to go with you. I want to follow you. Let's just begin to pray. If you if you want to sit on the ground, if you want to pray on your knees, just let's do that. Hey, don't worry about the people around you right now. This is not, this is not about them. this is not about them at all. It's about you and God. It's about you and God. It's about me, it's about me and God for me. Let's go. Let's 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 pray. Just a few moments. Let's just pray. Praise of repentance. i ask in the second the praise team to lead us in singing. But I need, I need this. I need this. I need to be revived in my heart. I need to repent. I think all of us do. Right, let's go. Let's go. Let's repent. Let's agree with God. Let's change our mind. Let's go to Him. As our praise team sings, give us clean hands if you want to join. Just praying through this song. Just confessing, repenting. Just ask the Lord, God, give us clean hands, give us a pure heart. Lord, let us not lift up our soul to an idol. You want to pray through this, you can. So let there be some freedom in this place. You want to stand, you want to sit, whatever you need to do, but let's pray. Really allow this song to connect with our hearts right now.
1: So give us clean hands Give us pure hearts Let us not lift our souls to another So give us clean hands Give us pure hearts Let us not Yet again give us clean give us pure hearts. let us now lift our souls to another so give us clean Sing it again. Give us clean hands. So give us pure hearts. Let us not lift our souls to another. Sing it again. Give us clean hands. Clean hands. Oh. So give us pure hearts. Again. Not lift, us our lift our souls to another. So give us clean hands so give us pure hearts Let us not lift our souls to another Oh God, let us be A generation that seeks That seeks your faith Oh God of Jacob God, let us be a generation that seeks, that seeks your face. Oh, God of Jacob, oh, God, let us be a generation that seeks, that seeks your face. Oh, God of Jacob. God, let us be a generation that seeks that seeks your face O God of Jacob
0: Let's take some time to just continue to repent of our sins a little bit. Let's uh repent of the sins of sexual immorality that is so pervasive in our day. Let's repent for the prayerlessness, the lack of dependence upon the Lord. Let's repent of the hypocrisy of professing one thing with our lips and living something differently with our lives. Let's confess the sin of hypocrisy of being one person on Sunday and another person throughout the week. As we repent of these things, the grace of God is going to wash over us, is going to cleanse us and fill us with a new joy in his presence. Right? This is the beginnings of revival. Let's confess our pride before the Lord. Let's confess our anger, our impatience, our inability to love. Let's confess our hatred towards our our, our parents, hatred towards other people. And let's let's confess repent of our of our uh, wasting our time our laziness let's repent of maybe ways in which we've dishonored our teachers our authority ways in which we've cheated we've lied on school tests on exams on homework for ways in which we've cut corners for ways in which we've been uh, just immoral in the way that we've thought and lived maybe we've been judgmental I think a lot of us need to repent of a judgmental attitude a critical attitude of gossiping of talking about your brothers and sisters in a harmful way, of looking at them with content and with bitterness and with anger, with hatred. Let's confess these things of not praying for the people that you complain about. We're called to pray for our leaders, church, world, government leaders. Let's pray. And it's easy for us to point fingers, but God's calling us to pray and to repent of our sins, of not fulfilling our call, not loving the lost the way that God's calling us to love. If you're a leader, God, forgive us. We repent of the ways that we've not been a faithful uh, lover of Jesus. We've not been a, a faithful minister. We have loved ourselves more than we've loved our sheep. We've not spent time with you. We've not depended on you. Let's confess all, repent of these things. Just lay them down before the Lord. And let's receive his cleansing flood. At the fountain, the blood of Jesus Christ. Let's confess. Let's repent. If you need to stand and go somewhere else in this room to, just to, to be private, then let's do that. Let's, yeah, let's just leave our pride by the door. Let's just come. Let's just meet with God. let pray. Just a few minutes here. Let's just pray. God, I need you. I need your help. I just want to give one invitation for a second here just to our our young people to our youth our high school and middle school you just feel like god is calling you to make a stand and that you want to go the way of christ that you want to be one in your generation set apart for the lord god and saying god use me god use me use me in my school use me in my church. Use me in my generation. Use me to bridge the gap between the older and the younger. God, I want to be used by you. I want my life to count for you. God, I want to give myself to things that matter. If I do this at an early age, then maybe, God, you can bring revival in my school and you can use me to do that. If you're a high school, middle school student, it doesn't matter who you are, where you are, what you've been through, where you've been, your sins, any of that stuff. Just God, I, I, I want to make a break with those things. I want to live for you. If that's you, I'm just going to invite you to, to just come to the frontier so that we can pray for you. Right? Some of you, as you start school in Orange County, others if you've been school for a week, uh, that's you. I just ask you to come. Don't worry about other people. Don't worry about anyone else doing this but you. Right? It's always God. use one person. God, always use one person in generation. Moses. Right? Joshua. Bible generation. No, that's you just uh, come here you can come to the middle to the front so we can yeah, distinguish you. Um, for those of you who are in the front just pray you just lift your hands pray God fill me spirit of revival God fill me with the spirit of revival make me an agent of change where I am Lord use me mm-hmm. So at any point just if you feel that's you you just come up to the front I'm going to I'm going to ask some of our adults right some of our adults right? the generation before right the first the Moses generation just pray for this Joshua generation next generation right? some of our adults just come um, Kenny, come, other people, shepherds. If you just feel a burden for this generation, let's pray for them. Pray a revival anointing over them. God, fill them, touch them, use them, work in them. And raise up a generation to stand apart for you. Let's pray. And the rest of us, let's just continue to pray. Pray for them from where you are. You can pray for yourself. Pray for your family. Just pray revival in our hearts. Let's pray, God, move in this place.
1: I desire to own.
0: Father in heaven, we pray uh, just a prayer of blessing over these students here. Uh, that you would fill them, your Holy Spirit, fill them with a fresh infilling of your anointing in order that they might go forth um, boldly into their schools, into their workplaces, in their communities, and they could be agents of change and agents of renewal. Father, we pray for the many youth who have committed themselves to you we are seated where they are that you would bless them and strengthen them fill them with the joy of knowing you we pray for our adults our college singles married folks God that you would help us to lead the way well to blaze the trail and to build bridges for the next generations to follow in order that they might live in a greater revival than anything we've ever known that you would raise up and be pleased to use many of them to be on the forefront of a great awakening begins in our city and hits our state and goes up and down this East Coast. God, we believe that you are doing something. We want to rest in that. We want to stand on that. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. We trust in you. May that your word bears the fruit of repentance in our lives as we go through this week. In Jesus' name.